Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiasts. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Good morning. Welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Symmetra, LPGA, and Legends Tour, and so many others, helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome once again to the Women of Golf Show. I'm uh, Ted Odorico, and alongside, of course, uh, this week, she made it back, uh, the hostess with the mostest, my good friend and LPGA professional, Cindy Miller. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you? I'm doing really well. How are you doing? Doing really well. Speeding as lo- like a lunatic as usual, but doing well. <laughs> well, we uh, you've been off for, for a few weeks, and I know you had lots of things going on. In fact, last week, um, one week actually, uh, we canceled because I was... Uh, Stuck at an airport, unfortunately, coming back. And uh, last week you had the uh, the LPGA uh, National Championship. So tell us, uh, before we start the show, a little bit about that. Uh, it was at Kings Mill Resort, which is in Williamsburg, Virginia, which is where we filmed Big Break 3, Ladies Only, which was uh, my first big break. And I had not played in a tournament in a couple of years. And I made the cut, but I'm still bipolar. So um, I was either good or I was terrible. So um, our listeners all know the feeling, I guess, if they play in tournaments. Uh, Annika doesn't mm-hmm. know that feeling, though, because she's amazing. No. And uh, I know. So I made the cut. I broke 80. I'm, I'm good to go. And I'm back in the saddle. Yesterday we were in New Jersey teaching a clinic for KPMG for a bunch of business women. And then we got home last night at 11 p.m. Um, and we're ready to teach all day today. So all things are good. Golf is open, thank God. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, everything's good. How about you? Very busy. Uh Traveled a little bit, um, took some time off, and uh, got stuck at the airport. Uh, but I don't feel as bad because I was watching the news this morning, and a couple of the airlines are really having some issues, one of which I flew on, unfortunately, during my travels. And uh, lots of people stuck for days at the airport, days, not hours. So I Why? feel very blessed. But Why? Made it, um, oh, because, well... <laughs> We'll have to we'll have to create another podcast about why the airlines are canceling. But basically, they're cl- they're claiming because of weather and operational issues, which, in layman's terms, basically means they're afraid to fly up through the clouds to get o- above the weather. And operational means that they're probably short-handed, which I'm not surprised given our current uh, economic uh, issues going on and environment. Um, and uh, I I suspect that's what it is. Um, I know one of the airlines, like I said, it was mentioned this morning, I actually flew on on my trip a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it was just an abysmal experience, but not as bad as some of the folks that are experiencing today. Some of them are have been delayed three days. They've had cancellations three days in a row. They just had a woman on air that said she's now not scheduled to go to Orlando until Thursday. She was supposed to be out this weekend. It's been delayed, delayed, delayed. So I... Bless your heart to all of those that are stuck in the airports right now. I know how you feel uh, somewhat. So, um, and I got stuck in Baltimore wow. of all places, which, yeah, it was it was not good. So, uh, but anyways, I'm here and we're back, and I'm glad to have you back uh, on air. 
We've got, we got a great show for you this morning. Uh, the Symmetra Tour is on, was on hiatus last week, so we don't have a winner this week, but we will have one back next week. Uh, so we're going to start off with the No BS Zone here uh, in just a moment, and then a little bit later on we're going to be joined by LPJ Tour professional uh, Allison Walsh. She's going to be joining us, uh, talk a little bit about her uh, career on tour, and then she's also going to be talking about a new product that she's involved with uh, called Drive Force. Uh, which is a performance enhancement uh, and hydration, stamina, all that good stuff. She's going to be talking a little bit about that uh, when she comes on. But uh, glad to have you back, Cindy. Always uh, love having you here alongside with me. And uh, certainly we're missed on the show. But we're here now, so let's get into it. So I put together for the No BS Zone this morning some key points to improving your score. And I think these sort of hit the mark and I wanted to talk a little bit about these because I think they're, each, each of these points really sort of encompasses a lot of areas that many, many amateurs and even some better players sometimes struggle with. And the first one is I'm a firm believer that you, and it's very typical, of course, but that you practice the important stuff. So when you're out in a practice session, you practice the important stuff. Cindy, you and I too many times have seen people just you know raking and hitting balls and not really having any sense of purpose. So what I mean by practicing the important stuff, um, more strokes are lost in a round on the putting surface alone. People just don't know how to practice their putting. Uh, chipping is another area. Basically, the short game is really where a lot of people lose most of their strokes. Most people can hit it down the fairway a decent amount if they've been playing for any length of time. Uh, even most of our beginners, I think Cindy would agree, you know, for the most part can hit it pretty decently, not great maybe sometimes, but pretty decently. But when it comes to the short game, there's nothing worse than you have an approach shot to the green, maybe it's 100 and something yards, and you end up falling short, or you hit it left or right, and you're off the green, and you've got a chip, and you don't practice chipping, so you end up. So that's what I would say. What other things do you think that I think the folks need to be really practicing? Does that pretty much cover it, you think, or are there any things that you can think of that maybe they definitely should be dialing in on if they want to get better? Well, here's what I believe. After playing last week or the week before, mm-hmm. I believe that most people don't really know what they're doing when they swing. I think they just try mm-hmm. to make the ball go somewhere. So yep. I believe that you need to find some keys that work for you that make you hit the ball where you want it to go because we've all heard fairways and greens, fairways and greens, and that's great right. if you know how to hit fairways and greens. Right. But if you don't, I mean, you are screwed because you're clueless and you don't know what you're doing. And so I would say... Uh, Again, I'm going to talk about Annika because she just won the Women's U.S. Senior Open, and she hasn't played in a Mm -hmm. tournament. Well, she played in one tournament this year, but basically she quit playing 13 years ago. And she just turned 50 last October, and she shows up and kicks everyone's butt by eight shots. Now, how do you do that? Right? How do you do that? Well, you know what you're doing with the club. So if you stand over a shot and you know how to hit the ball where you want it to go, that's all you're doing for 72 holes is hit the ball where you want it to go Mm -hmm. and knock the ball in the hole. So it starts with knowing what you're doing and and whatever you're doing, having it work. Now, I played in the Pro-Am with some amateurs, and yesterday I taught eight women at a clinic, and one of the women – she wouldn't hit a longer club. And every time she would hit a good shot, but it would go 50 yards. And so mm-hmm. another 50 yards and then another 50 yards. And she wouldn't take the club to get her onto the green. So it was like too cautious. So I think when yes. you're closer to the green, you need to know what club do I hit to get where I want it to go. And that may yeah. sound like elementary, but but why add up your shots and and take 
four extra shots just because you don't use the right club, unless you don't care what you shoot. You know, but again, you're holding everyone else up because you're just bunting it up there. So I would say, yes, short game, but I, number one, you got to know what you're doing with the club. And, and yep. great ball strikers. So, again, I philosophize, and I sit back, and I think, and Alan and I were riding back from King's Mill on the car, and, you know, Al, my husband played on tour for 15 years and played the Masters five times. He's the second purest ball striker Dave Bell's ever tested. So he put in the time, and putting in time mm-hmm. is called the pits, put in time. But when you put in time and you learn your golf swing, and it for him it was 50, 60 years ago, right? 50 years ago. Right. But he still has that because he put in time. So does Annika. So, so many really good players can not play for a really long time, pick up a club, swing it, and hit it the same exact way because it's in muscle memory because they know what they're doing. Whereas I... Oh, wait, what's my swing thought today? And I'm not quite yep. that bad, but I'm almost that bad. And you can't play golf like that at the highest level. you got to know what you're doing. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Yeah, no, that's a great point because you're right. A lot of, uh, a lot of amateurs, especially in the pro-ams, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago I had uh, the winner uh, from the previous uh, week's Metro Tour event, and, you know, we talked about in those pro-ams, and, you know, she sort of alluded to much of what you just talked about is a lot of these amateurs miss club. They don't understand what club to be using, and they're just sort of, you know, slowly moving it down the fairway because they don't want to look bad or they don't uh, know what to select or, or what shot to, to put in front of them. And they're just sort of, you know, making their way around the golf course. And they never improve. And, you know, they don't want to, you know, they want to help, but at the same time, you know, you're there to play in a program. You're not there to give golf lessons uh, to all the amateurs all the time. So um, that's a great point that you bring up. Uh, another point as well, and we've talked about this many, many times, so I think it's pretty much self-explanatory, is develop a solid pre-shot routine. Uh, so many amateurs do not have a very uh, developed pre-shot routine, and they, I think they misunderstand really there's a, a number of purposes for it. Obviously, it's to get yourself prepared uh, for the shot that you're about to hit, uh, but it also creates a pattern. It creates a continuity in your game, and it gives you uh, sort of an overall balance. If you're one time you're, you're just sort of waggling, and, and the next time you just go up and hit it, and then the next time you're doing something different, you, you don't really develop a rhythm through your round. So if you look at, at the professionals out on tour, Cindy, as you know, they have a pre-shot routine, and it's the same every single shot. Annika is a great example. I mean, she had... I remember watching her before. I didn't get a chance, unfortunately, to watch her in this event. But, um, you know, she always had a consistent pre-shot routine. And there's a reason for it, is it helps you get prepared for the shot you're about to take. And it develops a cadence, if you will, uh, in your round. And I think that's so uh, important. Any, any thoughts you want to add to that? Well, again, it, it goes back to do you know what you're doing? And a pre-shot routine comes from, consciously planning how you're going to hit a shot rather than just grabbing a club and hitting. It's, you know, how right. far am I? What's the wind doing? What's my lie look like? What's my smartest play from this location? It's all that planning. And then how do I walk into the ball? And what are my swing thoughts? I mean, every player there on tour has a simple swing thought. And, and the other thing that I try to stress with my students is, when I did all these Hartford clinics on the, on the Symmetra tour a long time ago, um, I would ask all the tour players, what are you working on? And they, every one of them had an answer. So it's not like, oh, I've arrived and I'm not working on anything. You know, everybody's working on something all the time. So <laughs> right. uh, no one ever arrives, by the way. And, and so what mm-hmm. I would say is, do you know what you're doing? And if you don't, go to the range by yourself, be still, be quiet, and stand there and figure out what am I going to think and when am I going to think it and how am I going to plan and prepare and produce the golf shot. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's all in the preparation. And if you know what you're doing, it comes very natural. If you don't, then it's very sporadic, very chaotic, and it causes a lot of issues. And this is why, you know, I, I said before, you know, practicing the important stuff is don't just stand on the range and just hit a bunch of balls. Do it with a sense of purpose. 
Um, another one that I think is a key point, and this seems, again, you would think it's very simple, um, and I refer this as playing away from, a, from the big number. And what I mean by that is um, weaker players need to play less aggressively. And what I, again, just to, to simplify it, I don't know how many times I will see a player who is a 20-plus handicap trying to think they're going to go for the pin. There's water all around. There's bunkers all around. You need to be smart about it. If you're a 10 or less handicap, and I mean consistently, then you can be a little bit more aggressive in your play. You can maybe go if, you know, when the shots are, are within your wheelhouse, if you want to go for the green or go for the pin, rather, uh, on a shot that's not really heavily guarded on a hole, that's okay. But if you're a 25 handicap and you've got trouble all around, then you need to bail out safe or play for the fat of the green or what have you. Uh, you know, don't try to pull off some hero shot when you're, when you're not consistent. So that's what I mean by playing away from the big number. And Cindy, I know you see this all the time. You see people that just are not very solid players thinking that they're going to pull off some hero shot, right? Yeah. Again, if they can't hit the ball where they want it to go, then yep. you can't expect to pull off the hero shot and then make triple and quadruple. And, and again, you're not always trying to do that. Sometimes you just make a bad swing. But you have mm-hmm. to go back inside your head and say, you know, what just caused that? What did I do? And how can I fix it? This is the best problem-solving game there was ever been embedded. I mean, that's all this is, yep. problem-solving. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and that's where you have to put some thought into things. And, and um, you know, there's a lot of different factors involved in it. Um, but that's one there that I see. And, and, you know, obviously, if you're a 25 handicap, you're, you're hitting some pretty big numbers. Um, but you can, you can lessen that in a round by playing smarter. Um, you know, again, you know, if you're 150 yards out as an example and you know that you can't competently or comfortably hit that shot successfully and you're trying to go for a green um and and maybe you're you know 150 yards for you is maybe a six iron um you know don't try to pull that shot off if you know you can't make that you know even eight times out of ten seven times out of ten then put that club back in the bag and hit it up the fairway a little bit a little closer to the green and come in with a shorter club uh you might actually add a stroke but you'll probably save several strokes by doing that. So there's a lot of different ways strategy comes into play. The other thing that I always recommend for people to do, and uh, you know, I understand you, you know, if you're not a great player and you've got a group of a foursome that you play with all the time and maybe they're not so great either, um, you know, a lot of times you're just exchanging bad habits. I'm always a firm believer, especially for singles um, that uh, are trying to jump into groups, um, but you've got to be respectful, is I always try to play with better players. And I always recommend that. And what I mean by that is try to get into groups. Now, obviously, you're not going to, if you're a 25 handicap, you're not going to jump into a group with scratch players because you're just going to make their life miserable. But if you've got people that are maybe 10 to 15 and you're a 25, try to get in with a group. If you show up at the course and there's some openings, I mean, I know you can't ask them ahead of time, but I always try to play with some better players. Um, you know, or try to encourage students to play with better players because it gives you something to sort of aspire to, and you can learn things from them as well. Um, I just think that rather than trying to play with people that are worse than you, you're just picking up their bad habits or adding them to your bad habits and vice versa. What do you think? Totally agree. Totally agree. Again, we were talking about that last night um, when we were talking about kids trying to play at the next level, college golf, and maybe turning pro. And I had two of the women that I played or taught yesterday were members, our members at a club that Joanne Carner's a member at. And I started talking, mm-hmm. which I didn't know this at the time, but I said, you know, when I was first qualified for the tour, I used to live in her Airstream trailer, and I paid rent in the campground, and, you know, she was in the Hall of Fame, and, we would play nine holes every afternoon. She'd beat me like a drum. Well, why did I do that? Because I wanted to learn from a Hall of Famer, right? Right. What's she yep. doing that I'm not doing? And, and, and when I got done playing around, I would go walk and watch the leaders 
Why? Well, because I wasn't as good as them. Well, why would you do mm-hmm. that? Well, you got to humble yourself and go learn from someone that's better than you. So yeah. some of these kids don't are not inquisitive or curious enough to go snoop that out. Um, and again, it depends on the giver rip meter. How bad do you want it? Yeah. And, and why are you not doing, you know, again, if you're not able to look in the mirror to see what you're doing, then you're probably not going to make it. So always play with better people. And, and you know what you find? Again, one of the best lessons I've ever gotten from my husband was I was pl- complaining about this girl that beat me in a Legends Tour event and he's driving the car and he just turns and looks at me and he goes she misses it better than you yeah I'm like what she misses it better than you mm-hmm. you're trying to make hero shots right so i would be in the idiot yep and and just skull it down the middle of the fairway we've got what we call the fairway finder take a half swing yep. when you got clenched butt cheeks and you don't know where it's going take a half swing and bunt it down the fairway so yep Exactly right. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, uh, available now at your local golf shop, the Cindy Miller Give a Rip Meter uh, on sale now at your local pro shop. <laughs> I, I think you ought to. I think you ought to come up with that, Cindy. I think you ought to market that. I think that would be great. Um, just having some fun. Um, the other thing, Cindy, and I know we've talked about this as well, is is to commit to the shot, and then just do it. Um, time and time again, it comes down to uh, confidence. If you're standing up over the ball and you're not really confident that you've made the right decision, you've, you've already lost half the battle. Mentally, you start creeping, thoughts start creeping in. And you've said this many times over the years on air, and I'm sure off air as well to your students, is you know, once you decide what shot it is that you're trying to play, you need to stand firm with that decision, right? And then just get up there and do it. And even if it ends up not being the right decision, at least you've stood up there with some confidence. If you go up there and thinking, well, maybe I should be hitting my 7-iron instead of my 8-iron, uh, or maybe I should be doing this or laying up or what have you, uh, and there's all kinds of doubt creeping in, you've, you've lost the battle, right? You have. <laughs> yes, you have. You have. You have to have confidence. And you have to be certain that yeah, you're and- making the right decision. And then you've got to commit to the decision. And then you'll be more right. consistent. Yeah. And, and again, sometimes you're going to make the wrong decision. Uh, you know, that happens to everybody. Even the best players on tour sometimes think that they're going to do something and the shot doesn't come off or maybe it was not the right play. We've often heard the announcer say, well, he probably shouldn't have done that or she shouldn't have done that. Um, we don't always know what's going on in the player's mind, of course. But, um, but again, they get up over that shot. They've made a decision. They've tested the wind. They've checked the, you know, the other elements that are, and factors that are involved and they've committed to the shot, and they hit it. And either they pull it off or they don't, um, and then they just move on. But so many amateurs step over the ball. Um, I've even seen it on a tee shot. They're maybe not hitting their driver very well, or they're not comfortable with their driver. And instead of being smart about it and saying, okay, maybe the driver's not the best play off the tee here, maybe I need to hit my three-wood, or maybe I need to hit a hybrid club or something else uh, just to keep it in play, they stand over knowing full well they don't feel confident with the shot that's at hand and they hit it anyways and nine times out of ten it's not anywhere near where they had hoped it to be uh unless they happen to be that one time that you know they get a lucky break so commit to the shot and then just do it um the other is uh we'll have to move here quick because we're getting close to our time but uh one shot at a time you know you can't be uh thinking about the the shots that just happened you focus on the shot that is now. Whatever shot you're standing over, that's what you focus on. Too many players get distracted with past shots, future shots, you know, and they're not really focused on the shot at hand. And that's one uh, an area, Cindy, I know that you would agree with as well. Um, you can only play one shot at a time, so that's the one you should be focusing on, right? Yes, you should, and you can't think about who you're going to beat or what the score is going to be or how much money you're going to make or what you're going to shoot because the minute you do that, you're distracted and you're not paying attention to the task at hand, and then you're going to make a silly mistake, and then you're going to get mad at yourself. So Mm -hmm. 
I only yep. know this from experience. And again, yep. you'll do it exactly right. Play. How many people, you know, want to break 100 or 90 or 80 or 70 for the first time? And, well, all I had to do was bogey the last hole and I made triple. Well, why'd you add up your score? You know, sometimes right. I even <laughs> trick my brain if I'm playing really well and I just, you know, pretend I'm 12 over. Mm. Shut up and hit the ball. The more I just, you know, yep. just don't pay attention to what is future. Only right here, right now. Yep, I couldn't agree more. Um, another point as well I think that, that is, is key is develop a safety shot. What I mean by that is a go-to shot. Um, if you're in a situation, I, I kind of used an example a moment ago, you know, if your driver's not a strong club for you, um, use a different club. Uh, if there's a shot where, let's say, you find you don't know whether you can make it or pull it off, have a go-to shot. Uh, it might be just hitting it that 100 yards down the fairway, just getting it, keeping it in play, um, but have a go-to shot that you feel confident, you can hit with confidence, uh, and will help you advance the ball, but not necessarily put you in a position uh, where you're likely to not succeed. So uh, obviously, as you're more developed or professional players have uh, something entirely different, but I believe in having a, uh, developing a safety shot, uh, sort of get-out-of-jail-free card, if you will, uh, when you're out there playing, so that if you find yourself in a difficult situation, maybe you're you know, uh, 175 or maybe you're 200 yards from the green, you know you can't make it, um, you, know, you pull out that shot, and say, okay, I know I can hit it comfortably 100 yards down, and I'm going to be within 100 yards of the green, so I'm going to hit that shot here, or I'm going to be in you know, 60, 70 yards of the green. That's a better play than trying to go for it. So develop a safety shot, in my mind, I think is going to help you as well. What do you think? Absolutely. Again, we call that the fairway finder. And I think most yep. people, you know, people come in and say, well, I have to hit my driver farther. Okay, what do you shoot? A hundred. Okay. Um, how far do you hit your hundred or your driver? Two hundred yards. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's just say, do you keep track of how many fairways you hit? No. All right. Let's pretend you can hit every fairway and you only hit it 180 yards. Mm-hmm. Could you be on every green and one over regulation? Well, yeah. Okay. Well, then you just shot 90. So we just knocked 10 shots off your score. So, again, I think the expectation level is I need to go do this. And it's like, yes, let's talk about this a minute. Let's take a chill pill and discuss and like, oh, I don't have to do that. And, again, really good players, and I've been fortunate enough to play with a lot of them, they know Mm -hmm. they can sacrifice a bogey here and there. If they make yep. a bad swing or get a bad break or they miss a six-footer or whatever it is, they're never, they don't get all wigged out because they know that down the right. road and the, and the round, they're going to make a birdie somewhere. So they don't freak out and, oh, my God, and then go bogey, 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 bogey. But people that are thinking about their score or trying too hard or totally unsure of their swing will tend to go down the deep path of despair. And that's yep. not fun. I couldn't. Yeah, I remember, you know, years ago, and I've heard him say this several times, Jack Nicholas used to talk about how some golf holes, even some golf courses, uh, that didn't always necessarily suit his eye. Obviously, if the whole course didn't suit his eye, um, he was obviously a left-to-right to ball striker. And, and um, he uh, quite often would get in situations where holes didn't fit his eye. And what he would do is he, he would go in with the mindset, you know what? I'm okay if I make a bogey here. I'd, ideally, I'd like to you know, make a par and get away from it. But if I make a bogey here, I'm okay because I know the next hole fits my eye just well. So to your point, they're willing to, to make a sacrifice. That doesn't mean they're trying to shoot a bogey. It just means that they know that this particular hole is not within their comfort house, if you will, or their wheelhouse. So they're okay if they make a bogey. They can sacrifice that hole if need be. Um, and it, again, it goes down to really planning, having a game plan and sticking to it. Uh, another one too is, and this is important, is buying equipment that suits your game. I don't know how many times I've gone into, um, you know, playing in a corporate event over the years and I've seen players that cannot play and they're playing with equipment 
that uh, as an example, uh, irons that are, uh, have a blade, which is a, a, a better player's club, and they just can't hit it. Uh, you know, they, they think that they need to look good or because their favorite tour player plays this brand of club, this is what they need to get or this particular club, and it's just not a very forgiving club for those that can't hit it well. So buy equipment that suits your game and please get out there and make sure you're fitted properly. Uh, that means make sure you've got the right shaft for your game. If you're not a, if you don't have a big, uh, you know, a, a, a good swing speed, uh, you don't need to be playing stiff or extra stiff shafts. So make sure you get fitted properly. Uh, there's a lot of other components. We don't have time to get into all of it, uh, but Cindy, that's a big one as well. I'm sure you've seen that many times where uh, at different pro ams and different events where uh, amateurs will come out and they're dressed to the hills, uh, they're looking good, they've got a great set of clubs and then they step on the first tee and can't hit it worth beans. And you're thinking you just spent yeah. $2,500 on, on equipment, right? I mean, you see that all the time. Correct. Got to have the right shaft. <laughs> yeah, you got to have the right equipment, and the only way you're going to do that is to get together with your pro. And the last one, Cindy, this is an obvious one, uh, especially if you're struggling, in it, and this is not just a pitch from uh, a, a couple of uh, golf professionals here, but take lessons. Um, I would rather, rather than you spending $500 on a brand new driver, I would rather you spend that $500 and get a series of really good quality lessons um, from your local golf professional uh, and work together with them to improve your game. And then down the road, maybe you might want to treat yourself to some new equipment uh, as your game improves um, and you need to maybe make an upgrade. But don't go out and spend money on all these gadgets and all this new equipment uh, when you just can't uh, play very well. I think you need to be smart about that. And we'll ask our, our, our special guest this morning a little bit about that because I know she's played in some pro-ams as well. But, um, Cindy, great discussion this morning on the No BS Zone. I appreciate it always. And I think uh, some of the points that we glossed over here will help uh, some of the folks out there hopefully drop some scores. We're going to take a quick, very quick break. And then we're going to come back with uh, this morning's very special guest. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe today. All right, Cindy, we're joined by a very special guest, Alison Walsh. She's an LPGA Tour professional, uh, born in Ireland but raised in Massachusetts, and she currently resides there with her husband. Uh, she's semi-retired, actually, from playing professional golf full-time, uh, graduated a three-time All-American from the University of Arizona, played on the U.S. Curtis Cup team, uh, U.S. World Amateur team, and claimed victories in numerous national uh, amateur competitions and collegiate events before taking on the, PGA, or the LPGA excuse me, Tour. Uh, she went on to play on the LPGA Tour full-time for 11 years, collecting numerous top tens and maintaining her card year in and year out. So, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest, Allison Walsh. Good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Great. We're so glad you're here. <laughs> it's great to be here. I was uh, enjoying the uh, the talk earlier about equipment and whatnot. I can't echo those comments you guys made enough. So, let it's me let me just butt in real, real quick. Yeah, let me, Allison, let me just uh, play off that just a little bit, because um, I know, as, as you probably heard, I mentioned that um, you obviously, being on tour, played in a lot of uh, Pro-Am events over the years and saw a lot of different things. What were some of the, the key points that you can recall that amateurs were doing wrong uh, that you noticed? And obviously, you tried to help as best you could, but, you know, you're there playing in an event. What were some of the things that you noticed them doing a lot that certainly was not helping them to advance their game. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, touching on equipment right off the bat, if somebody's going to invest their time, 
you know, playing golf and whatnot, I see so many people just getting hand-me-down clubs or, you know, even especially like younger people, you know, grabbing a set from a, a, a parent and whatnot. And I think if you're going to put the time in, I think you need to invest into getting fit, you know, because it's just going to start you off correctly and in the right direction. And, you know, I think you're almost at a disadvantage putting the wrong stuff in your hands and, and learning, you know, you might be swinging mm-hmm. something heavy for you or, or light or the vice versa and whatnot. So that's one thing I think people need to pay attention to. Um, and then lessons, you know, I mean, if, if you're really serious about it, invest in somebody to help you get there. Or, you know, if you're just doing it for fun and, and going out with your buddies and just doing it every once in a while, then I, I get it if you're not going to invest the time and money. But if you are going to put that time in, I think it's worth having some direction. Um, I just see so many people get out there and, you know, get frustrated immediately and, and then you ask kind of what their goals are and it doesn't resonate with what the effort is. So I think those are two big things that you should do if you're really going to put the time in. Yeah. And a lot of the, they, they, you know, kind of look at you like, you know, deer in headlights, they, they don't understand what you, the point you just made. And, you know, you're right. I mean, not everybody's going to make it to the LPGA or the PGA tour or any other tour for that matter. Uh, and that's okay. We're not all destined to, to be in that, that level of, of play. But if you're a beginning golfer and you want to get out there and you want to be able to learn the game smartly and you want to be playing with equipment, as you said, that's well-fitted for for your game and for you as an individual, then you have to not only invest the money, but you have to invest the time to have that done and work with somebody who is trained to uh, help you with the equipment, getting the right equipment, and also out in the lesson tee as well. And if you're not going to do that, you're going to, as you said, you're going to get frustrated and this is why you see so many beginning golfers that get into the game get out very quickly as well because they get frustrated very early, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and again, and everyone's goals might not be the same. So, I mean, even just listening mm-hmm. to, you know, podcasts like this or reading articles, I mean, every little bit helps. And then I think the other thing, too, mm-hmm. is just being realistic with your time. You know, you don't have to play 18 holes every time. I think a lot of people get frustrated with right. the amount of time that's invested. So I think, you know, nine holes is okay. I think that's plenty if if your goal is just to go out there and learn and have fun yep i couldn't agree more cindy go ahead all right you got to tell me about drive force because um (laughs) i read a little bit about it and i played at king's mill and i live in buffalo and i am not good in heat and i've had to withdraw from tournaments before because i just get whacked out and dizzy and all kind of the goofy and um, I'm thinking that this might help me. Can you tell us what it is? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Drive Force is a, um, is a nutrition product that a team and myself um, came together and, and kind of co-developed. And, you know, fundamentally, you know, there's, a, there's a million products out there that are in the fitness and, and sport realm, if you will, when it comes to supplementing hydration and whatnot. Um, but golf in particular, like you said, Cindy, you know, we, especially like right now, if you're watching the Olympics, I don't know if you guys recognize the heat over there is, mm. is pretty drastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, where the sport is, can go anywhere from two hours to six hours, whether it's preparation and playing and whatnot. So, you know, there's so many things out there that drive in hydration, but essentially the formula ingredients that we kind of put together do sustain hydration, but also stamina and focus which are so important when it comes to golf, you know, with stress that comes in, into the round. And, you know, if you're dehydrated, that can lead to less stamina and that less focus. So there's a bunch of ingredients in there that we've kind of strategically put together that benefit your whole round um, from all aspects, whether it's physical or mental. Is it a drink? A pill? Yeah. A food? Yeah. So, it's a drink. So it's an, um, so it's a powder substance that you, you know, you only need, that's the great thing about this as well. You know, there's a lot of products that you need more than one. It's a, it's a powder packet, if you will, that you pour into a bottle of water or a shaker, you know, whatever type of, uh, product you use to carry around your water in when you're out there playing, but it's, um, powder substance, mix it in right before the round. It's a pre round supplement, or it's, it's actually even good for any everyday, um, purpose because the ingredients in there are almost, you know, vitamin based. So they're good for you regardless, but take it before the round and it's enough. The ingredients in there 
supply the whole day. So you don't have to take another product at, at the turn. You don't have to take a couple throughout the round, which I know a couple different hydration products um, market. Um, this is just one single serving um, convenient packet. That's awesome. Where do we get this? <laughs> yeah, so our website, you can get it right now or strictly online. Um, it's driveforce.golf. And the website itself will kind of give you our story, our background, what the ingredients are, um, you know, kind of explain the benefits of, of why it is what it is, you know. And the other good thing to note is to make sure, you know, Cindy, from your your point of view and mine, you know, having played professionally in a while, we are sports certified, which for some people that might not make a big difference, but, you know, it's really important for me as a professional and some other professionals to feel safe when it comes to knowing what's in your body and what um, is considered acceptable and whatnot. Yeah, that's really important. That's awesome. Yeah. Ted? Hmm. So, Allison, let me ask you, um, you know, because you mentioned that there are a lot of different products on the market, and obviously, you know, you want to be able to um, maintain, you know, some stamina when you're out there, obviously, and you want to be able to focus and, and so forth. And, you know, there's a lot of drinks on the market uh, or products on the market that produce a high energy, and a lot of people feel like they get kind of hopped up. This is not one of them, obviously, because I've read through some of the ingredients in that, but this is an issue that I think people misunderstand. They think, well, if I go and drink an energy drink, that's going to give me lots of energy. But then after an hour or so or even a couple of hours, they kind of have that crash feeling where they get hopped up for a few minutes. They get all kinds of energy right. and stamina, uh, but then they all of a sudden crash. So what have they done differently? Maybe you can talk a little bit about some of the ingredients because you're, you're mentioning here you can kind of take one and it sort of lasts you throughout the day. What's different about dry force um, compared to some of the others? What's in some of the ingredients here that people can feel at yep. ease about that they're not just going to be getting on some sugar high and, and uh, go from there? Right, right. No, and that's something that, you know, I we make sure we do not want. There is a stimulant, of course, in it, but it is not a – it's sugar-free and it's caffeine-free. So you're not going to get that, um, you know, jittery or crash, the jittery from the stimulant itself or a crash afterwards. Um, you know, one of the main ingredients is an arugula extract, which technically supports healthy blood flow and some herbs. And, it's, mm-hmm. and, it, and with the specific set of vitamins and minerals, it actually gets, it gets a bit complex, but these guys really thought hard on how to give us something that we need that won't give you that crash and or that hype. Um, but that arugula extract, you know, B vitamins, um, there's a whole assortment in there, but it's, it's made sure that the stamina continues because there's a lot of product out there where you can read the ingredients themselves and and of course a lot of it is great and it is good for you um however you know the amount of product in it is you know is pretty much not going to get absorbed by your body um you're gonna you're gonna dispose of it um through sweat or just physically um so we made sure to put enough of the good stuff in there that your body's actually absorbing it and being able to use it as fuel yeah, and, and electrolytes are something you always hear uh, folks talking about that you get out there and you're in the heat and, you know, you've got to drink lots of water, but you've got to maintain those electrolytes. Are there some of the ingredients in there yep. uh, do that as well, help you to, to maintain uh, a good level of electrolytes along your, your travels? Yeah, there's um, all electrolyte, electrolyte needs. There's sodium. There's also salt, which is actually important when it comes to hydration. A lot of people mm-hmm. think the opposite. Um, yeah, so it's it's all put together with that with that in mind, um, you know, because golf is, you know, you can be out there for five hours in a professional round. And, and right. we also want to make it so you're not sitting there trying to take, you know, another packet from a convenience standpoint. You can have one of these and the amount that's in there from the electrolyte perspective, from the extract, the herbs and whatnot, there's enough in there so that one packet will last you. Then you can just have your water afterwards and whatnot. You don't have to worry about throwing another mm-hmm. packet in to maintain that electrolyte level, if you will. When should you typically, to get the best results, um, should you take it just before you go out and play, maybe an hour before, uh, to really get the best results um, throughout, throughout your round? If you're playing in that you know, five-hour round for many amateurs, um, you know, typically you want to obviously stay hydrated. When, at what point should you take it during the round, before the round, or, or what should uh, to give you the best results? Yeah. 
So ideally, I mean, if time permits, you should take it, you know, prior to the round. Um, that way your body absorbs it. You have it ready to go for the whole round. And, and you know, we, mm-hmm. we always say that back nine drag won't occur because um, it's, you know, your body's absorbed it correctly. Um, it's, you know, if you don't have the time, you take it on the first tee, that, that's fine too. You're still going to get the benefits. But if you want the full-blown benefit, it would be ideal to take it prior and that being said, like, it resonates across the board outside of golf. You know, if you're going to go out and practice for the day or you're going to get, you know, um, just have a busy day of, of, you know, hiking or other physical activity and whatnot, it's designed for multiple uses. So it's kind of the ideal time to take it would obviously be in the morning to prepare, but at the same time, depending on your schedule, you can uh, still reap the benefits if you take it at a later point. So let me ask you one other question, uh, and then, Cindy, I'll, I'll throw it back to you. Uh, you know, people understand the physical part. You know, you get a little lethargic when you get out there, and, you know, uh, as you say, the, the, the back nine drag. Um, but people don't understand mentally what happens to you out there when you start to get to that point. Maybe you could touch on a little bit about that, some of the, the symptoms that people typically have when they're out there and why this is such an important uh, option to, uh, to help prevent some of that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm guilty. I, you know, it actually, I don't know if you guys watched recently the, the 3M Open with Cameron Champ. Uh, you know, I know the commentators and a couple of people witnessed themselves watching. He just kind of looked dragged on that back nine. Whether he was or not, you know, I don't know personally. But there's there's a point where, you know, and I'm guilty too, you you don't realize your body's just getting really worn down when you're out there. You know, you, there's a lot that goes into it besides the physical aspect. Your mind's working. You're walking, you're, you're, you're extroverting all this energy. Um, especially on a professional standpoint or a competitive standpoint, you get to that back nine. If you haven't, you know, prepared yourself from a nutritional aspect, whether it's, you know, hydration and or just energy from consuming food, you're definitely, your mind's just not fueled correctly. So there will be times where I've played competitively and I'll finish the round and I'll notice that I've made late mistakes in the day and then I'll look back at what I ate and drank and I'll, you know, kind of kick myself because I'll realize, man, I didn't really have any snack or, or drink enough water, you know, those last two hours. And it really does show in your game and your performance. Um, it's something to kind of uniquely take note of. You know, if these people are invest like we we're talking about, investing in clubs or investing in lessons, that's another thing you can really chart, you know, kind of manage what you're putting into your body and, and see how your game is affected. And I really think you'll see a difference if you properly feel it yourself. Even if, you know, DF-18 is a, a bonus, but if you're just drinking water and maintaining healthy snacks throughout the round, it's going to be a massive benefit because, I mean, it's so easy to get lethargic out there. And then once you're doing that, you can make really dumb mistakes. Yeah, I mean, physically is obviously one point, but you're, you're so right. Mentally, I mean, time and time again, we see a lot of amateur golfers particularly, and even some pros from time to time that maybe – you know, forget to, you know, adhere to what you're talking about and they get out there and you can tell that they're just not playing their best, um, that they're they're having a little bit of brain fog, if you will, for lack of better words. Yeah. Cindy, go ahead. So I'm excited. I'm going to try this. And my son is same thing. You know, he's a, he plays in the USGA events. It's a plus three and we both have issues in the heat. So Thank you so much for telling us all about this. I'm go- I can't wait to try it. Yeah, no, I hope you guys do. And I, I, we would love your feedback. And, and, you know, just for your general um, consumer and whatnot, pay attention to the Olympics this week. You know, the men were in there, but I know the heat's stepping up for the women coming up this week. I was just watching this morning. And, and just see how often, you know, they're they're hydrating themselves and, and taking snacks and whatnot and, and look at performance when it alongside um, I think it would really resonate with how important it is to have the right product to help your game. Couldn't agree more. That is um, awesome. Well, Allison, awesome. yeah, Allison, thank you very much. Uh, for those tuning into the show, go to driveforce.golf, uh, golf, excuse me, and uh, you can check out their story and you can read more about some of the ingredients in there and you can also pick up some, uh, you can shop right there online to get uh, DF-18 uh, product. It's a great product. Uh, I'm certainly going to try it out as well. But Allison, thank you very much for uh, joining us this morning and, and talking a little bit about uh, Dry Force. I appreciate it. Thank you both for having me on and uh, discussing it. And I hope you guys enjoy your DF-18. Thank you. All right. Sounds good. 
Thank you. All right. Thanks, Bye-bye. Guys. All right. Very interesting. You know, Cindy, there's, uh, you know, she raises some, some interesting points here. We just got a few minutes left and then we'll, uh, we'll uh, sign off for the day. But, um, it, it, you know, you, you know yourself, you play, uh, you know, some tournament golf. I haven't played as much uh, here recently as you normally have, but uh, you know yourself, if you're somebody that's not uh, climatized to the heat, uh, it gets pretty steamy. If even up your way, people don't realize they think up in the Northeast doesn't get as hot as here in the Southeast. Uh, it certainly gets hot down here, but you guys get some heat up there as well during the summer months. And there's nothing worse than getting out there and, uh, you know, get nine under your belt. And then you start to feel that, you know, that fog, if you will, that brain fog starting to hit and then it affects all parts of your body. So, um, I think this is something that definitely is going to help you. Absolutely. I mean, again, you don't realize what's happening to you and you're like, whoa, what was that? And it's just the terrible swing and, and you're just like horrified. So I experienced it a week and a half ago. So I'm going to try yeah. this and see what happens. Well, yeah, and and what people don't realize too is, you know, beside the mental aspect is what happens with your body, especially if you get dehydrated, you start to feel your muscles tense up and they get kind of achy and and you don't have the flexibility. People don't realize how much that that can affect. And I see so many people and and anything is I know sometimes is better than nothing, but I see people out there uh especially in this heat and you know, God bless them, we want them to all have fun. Uh, but they're, you know, knocking back two or three beers in the front nine, and that just adds to the dehydration. And by the time they they get around, they probably don't care whether they play the back nine or not, to be quite honest. Um, but you know, again, we want you to have fun, but you got to be smart about it. And you know, advancements in in research and that has has gotten so far ahead now, Cindy. With with and products like this are coming out in the market that are just happening. And this is why. Uh, helping rather, and this is why so many athletes and, and professionals like like Allison, like yourself, uh, are tapping into them because they're recognizing that you know your body, that how you treat your body, is going to affect how you perform out in the golf course or, or whatever it is that you may be doing in your life. And um, you know, uh, unfortunately, we wish we had this 30 years ago, but um, we've got it now, and we need to take advantage of it, right? That's for sure. Absolutely. All right, we want to thank again uh, our very special guest, Allison Walsh, uh, for coming on and talking about Dry Force. Again, go to dryforce.golf. You can find out more information about that and uh, purchase the product directly from the website. And I uh, hope you enjoyed the, uh, some of the key points to improving your score on the no BS zone we talked about. If you missed the broadcast, you're just tuning in this sort of the last minute or so, uh, you can go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf and just scroll down to the on-demand section, and the recorded version of today's broadcast will be there in just a few moments. So thanks, everybody, for joining us. And on behalf of Cindy Miller, I'm Ted Odorico. God bless everybody, and we'll see you next week right here on the Women of Golf. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf's Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash womenofgolf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.